Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we're committed to resourcing people in worshiping God and serving others meaningfully for community transformation. Here is the week's teaching. Good morning, friends. How are you? You look all right from where I am. Happy Independence. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So if your neighbor is smart, say so. If the preacher is smart, say hallelujah. Great, that's very good. Good, so friends, you're very welcome. Happy Independence to you. The text that we are going to study today has been carefully selected. For a time such as this that we are in as a country, and I believe it's going to enrich us. So I'm going to do something that I have started in the recent past, um, which is not tradition here, but I just feel like it gives our learning a bit of oomph, right? So I'm going to ask us to stand up and read the word together, and then I will expose it a bit of that word and we'll go home enriched and changed. Amen? Amen? Now, all of you know, as you stand up, all of you know have... Please get right to your feet. All of you know this scripture on top of your mind. You know Jeremiah 29, 11, right? It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for... Plans to prosper you. Plans for a future. And for peace. Yeah, paraphrasing. And that is... That is the scripture that we are going to study today. But we realize that if we only read that scripture, which is verse 11, verse 10 will not feel nice, right? Verse 10 will feel like, oh, I've been neglected. So, and if we read 10, 9, 9 might feel bad about it, right? So we decided let's take it all the way from verse 1 to verse 11. So none of them is left out, and they all make it rich, and it gives us the the context that we need to get into the word. So friends, let's together read from Jeremiah 29, verse 1 to verse 11. And together, now, to reminder of the elders who were carried away captive, the prophets and the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. This happened after Joachim, the king, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the princes of the Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisha, the son of Sehemiah, the son of Hakim, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruits, take wives and get sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons, they may be increased there and not diminished. 
and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away, and to pray the Lord for it. For it is in its peace that you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and the devils not listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For the prophecies of I have not sent them, says the Lord, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years accomplished in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and to cause you to return to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and to you, to give you a future and a hope. Amen. And while you're standing, let's pray together and receive the word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it has the ability to do in our lives. We receive it. We open our hearts. We open our minds and receive your word and learn from it that we may put it in practice and that it will yield fruit. We want to pray on this day, on the eve of our independence, Heavenly Father, that we will also acknowledge the true independence that we have in knowing you our Lord and Savior, who has given us true independence. For your word declares that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We pray all this believing in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You might be seated. Hallelujah. Good. So, I bring you greetings from Mose, who is in Entebbe, and um, leaves me with uh, the task of facilitating our learning today, and I don't take that for granted. Great. I had the opportunity to facilitate the learning of the word last week in uh, Mukono. And it was also an interesting time because this was the beginning of the month, of the quarter even. Okay? So it seems like God has orchestrated it that I should facilitate our learning as we get into new seasons. Amen? So, we were talking about getting into the last quarter of the year. Okay? Those of you who don't use the government accounting year system. Yeah? And I was telling people then that you have about 50-something days where you can put about 10,000 off every day to give you a better Christmas. Hallelujah! Yeah, so if you put away 10K, 10K, so now you have a few days, maybe 40-something days to Christmas. So if you start putting away, you know, taking out the weekends and, and the other days, if you start putting away some money, I guarantee you things will get better. Today I stand here for us to learn yet again that we are getting into a new season and we are celebrating the beginning of a season, or even a season that we are now celebrating that wasn't in the past. So this brings my mind to thinking what was going on in the minds of Ugandans on a day like this in 1961. What do you think they were thinking about? In 1961, on the 8th of October, independence didn't look like a reality possibly. There were people who were spending nights awake. There were people who were doing all meetings and uh, 
spending money and uh, some people paid with blood. I'll, I'll, take, I'll tell you that, you know. So freedom is not free. Freedom comes at a price. And the reason we are celebrating is because some people paid the price for our freedom. Amen? So what we are celebrating today, to us it's a celebration. We are going to go back and have a sumptuous meal and stuff. It's on the backs of our forefathers who wanted us to be a sovereign nation and to be free, that they were willing to pay a certain price for us to now celebrate and come dressed in all this fine apparel. Amen? It wasn't a celebration then, it is a celebration now. And even right now as we talk, there is work that's going on in our lives, in our nation, that we need to be a part of, that we need to embrace in order for the children that come after us to look back and say, indeed, our fathers had a contribution to what we are celebrating now. If our children contend with the same ills and failings and shortcomings that we contend with today, we will have failed them. Tell your neighbor, I'm not going to fail my grandchildren. I'm going to get you as involved as much as possible in this service. I need you guys to give each other and give me feedback because this is, this is a loaded message. Amen? Great, so now, going back to the text. Isaiah, who is referred to as the weeping prophet, if you take time to study about Isaiah, he's referred to as the weeping prophet because he was most of the time crying for the sin of the children of Israel. There was stuff that was going on that showed that the children of Israel had so quickly forgotten where they had come from as a nation and as a people. So he was constantly weeping, and that's why they refer to him as the weeping prophet. So Isaiah is weeping. Now, allow me, friends, just to give you context of the scripture that we have read, and then I will so quickly browse through what we need to learn from it, and we'll be out of here for lunch. Amen? It is in my interest that we have early lunch on this eve. And those of you who want to head for the carnival, I will wave you off. Huh? So the context of this is that Jeremiah is weeping for Israel. Israel has quickly forgotten what they have been through as a nation. They are now in this place that has relative peace a relative prosperity, and they're now beginning to rebel against God and against themselves in ways. It has become somewhat of a corrupt country. Without drawing parallels, I'd like you to keep bringing this back home. That in 1962, something happened, and for so many years, we've had issues going a certain way, and now we enjoy a certain relative peace that we have taken for granted and now there's a bit of revolting among us because while we were freeing ourselves from colonial masters we were enslaving those we claimed we were freeing. There are people who have been enslaved by poverty because there's been corruption going on and what is meant for them is not going to them. So they are enslaved in poverty. 
there's a lot of similarities that we as a nation can learn from what we see happening here in Jerusalem at the time. So the guys rebel, and the Lord in his wisdom allows that the Babylonians overrun them. And when they overrun them, the culture is at the time when the king conquers a place, he goes in and takes everyone who is of influence out of their comfort zone or their city and takes them to their country. And when they take them there, what they do is indoctrinate them to become like them so that when they are reintegrated, they bring a new culture. So now, these guys are taken. Oh, by the way, did I introduce myself? My name is Ariho Mushambangabo Kamara. Kamara with a K. For emphasis. And, and you'll get to know why I've introduced myself deliberately. So, what happens is these guys are now taken into Babylon. And if you have a recollection of the book of Daniel, it's talking about the guys that were taken among those people, the elite, Daniel and his friends, who are now taken to serve at the king because he asks, he says, give me guys handsome. Actually, if they had overrun us, they'd have taken me to gum. As in, bring the handsome guys, okay? The guys of aptitude, the guys who can grasp concepts to serve the king. So you realize that one of the first things that happens to Daniel and his friends as they are taken is a renaming. From Daniel, he's given the name Belshazzar. Then you hear people getting names like Abednego, Shadrach, Meshach. You know, their, their names are being changed. Now, if someone wants to truly enslave you, the first thing they do is take away your identity. When the guys who came to pick slaves came here, if you've watched Kunta Kinte, you will notice that the first thing that they try to do is to break their identity and take away who they were truly as a people. Rename you and give you names like Vasta, names like Andrew, Julie, Laura. So these guys were very systematic. And then they tell you that now this is the Christian name. For long, I really struggled because they asked me, what is your Christian name? And I felt like a heathen. So you're not a Christian. What, what, what are you talking about? What's your Christian name? And then I got emancipated and I realized they were asking for an English name. You know... Colonialism comes in very interesting ways. Right now what's happening is that people are being renamed but they don't know. We have a group called the opposition. We are not Ugandan. We are not all Ugandan. There is a clique called the opposition. Then there is the group called that one. And they have the support of the magic. Anyway. So, I, that, that is a... That is a by the way, I'm not, this message is not political for any reason. It's not. It's just for us to draw parallels as a people and see what's happening and maybe. So these guys are taken over and 
they begin to serve in that land. And the prophet, who's been weeping over them, brings them a message so harsh. The message is telling them something that they don't want to hear. Something that they thought they had previously heard and would never hear of. Because this, this is an Egypt part two. So they were in Egypt. They are, this generation is now hearing the stories of the other generation. Like our generation has heard stories of the other generation, right? We've had the generation of the Idi Amins. We don't know what happened, but we know it was pretty nasty. And like one man said, that until the lion learns to tell its story, the hunter will have the best tales. You know what that means? Hunters come back bragging, and then I hit it. Then it came, I dodged it. But if the lion stopped to tell the story of how the guy was crapping his pants when he just saw the lion, we would have a balanced story. So we've had stories from the past that we have no idea about. We just hear, and depending on who told us the story, it was embellished a certain way. Depending on what they wanted you to believe about the story of our history. So the children of Israel were like that. They had stories of man. God established us. He gave our covenant to our forefather Abraham. He brought us. He told us, you know, these Egyptians saw us. We were prospering. They were jealous. They tried to contain us. And you know when they tell the story, normally it's like when a guy is testifying and is telling you, I was sick and now I'm well. It's as if it happened like he was sick. Then the next minute he's well. You forget the time in between when that sickness was not funny. So as they told the story of their captivity, they only maybe made it seem like it was a sentence of their captivity where we were in Egypt and then God sent a man called Moses. It's like they arrived. Then Moses came the next day. Then he assured Pharaoh. Then they came out and then they crossed. So that's how we hear. Most of us don't know how long those nine years of Idi Amin fell to the people who are there. We only tell it like it happened in a sentence. It was bad. Many of us don't understand what it meant in the days of Obote. Because we only hear it in a sentence. It possibly got worse. So these guys have been hearing stories of what was happening and they are really puffed up and they know that God has established them. He told them he'll take them to a land of milk and honey and he'll establish them there and they will prosper because they are his chosen people. His chosen people. And now they find themselves in a scenario they did not expect where they are now back to captivity. We've heard about past leaders and everything that they have done. And now we're beginning to see a glimpse of things that we heard about. Like kids on a bus going somewhere with police escort and being slapped and hit and smashed. And uh, we are hoping to hear what actually happened. Investigations are ongoing. We'll get to the bottom of it. Without being prejudicial or sounding as if I am left leaning or right leaning or what. I tell you, we're beginning to see some of that stuff. And that's why this message is 
pertinent for us today to encourage us and show us what we need to do. You know, prophets are weird people because they show us what's about to happen. There's a fantastic idea happening right there. Like Moses says, eh? fantastic idea is like a child crying in church. You need to carry it out immediately. Anyway, so this stuff is happening to the children of Israel. They are now in captivity. They have taken the guys who actually make the money, the top cream, the cream de la cream. You know the bajeg, the jigs are the ones who stayed. They took the real guys, the guys who are making things happen. And now, let's just begin to grapple with this message and see what it means for us and how we can apply it now and make things better for our children. Amen? So that is just to give you a whole all-round feeling of what happened from verse 1, how they get captured, and how the verse 11 that we so love to quote at the top of our minds that is saying, that he alone knows the thoughts that he has towards us. And these are thoughts of peace. Starts with peace because the guys are in a place of torment and he's saying, I'm thinking peace towards you. Amen? And they are not thoughts of evil. Like nothing is going to happen to you. War is not going to break out, guys. There's going to be peace in Uganda. It's not going to... They are not thoughts of evil. That are going to give you a future and a hope. A hope. I remember talking about hope. Hope is that one thing you can't live without even for a second. Hope. Amen? Okay. So like we see, while they are in captivity, God sends a message through the prophet and the God is instructing them of very simple things. Things to regard with the way of life that they must take on while they are foreigners, where they have been taken as captives. The guy is telling them to leave and to settle and not to separate or withdraw themselves from the people. To, leave, to settle. That if there's injustice going on there, please be respectful in how you disagree and how you resist oppression from those people. Stick to the values that you have been given of the Lord. And to sacrificially to love the place they are at and not to be selfish and live in cocoons and hold others in contempt, but to love and indeed sacrificially love the place where they are. Those are the three instructions that the prophet is bringing to the people of Israel who are in, captive, in captivity, who have been held captive by the Babylonians. You must have heard that song by Chameleon. These are the Babylonians he's talking about. This guy is overrun the children of Israel. 
the guys who are known to have brought down Goliath and in one day seen the armies of Egypt quenched but the Babylonians overran them and did whatever they did with them including taking them. Now if you go to Daniel it will tell you a bit more of what actually happened as they were taking them. They even carried some of the things that they held dear. Amen? So in Jeremiah 29, 5-6, this is what it says. Let's read together. He's instructing them to say, Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. The message is clear. You are in captivity. You have been taken to a place where you don't want to be. And the message is saying, please come down, settle. Build permanent houses. As in the guys were beginning to think, you know, our God is coming to save us anytime soon. So we might as well not waste time trying to build permanent houses. Let's live in tents because this is only for a short while. But he's saying, build houses, start businesses, marry, give your children off to get married, have children, have a 50-year plan, have a 100-year plan, set goals beyond 2021, amen? Look further than 2021. Look further. Set to, this place is not going to explode. The Lord is with you. He's with us. There's going to be peace in this land. Look for that job. You know, there's a story of a friend of ours. When we were in Essex Vac, he kind of told us the story of how he was living for the UK. And at the time, it was... Uh, great that you left this country a bit. Because, I mean, the movies have told us that that is where life happens. Here we are just surviving. So this guy told us a story of how he's going, but he didn't even pick registration forms at campus. And he sat out campus for a year. So for us, we finished, we finished campus. Those of us who got opportunities, we went. We had not even planned it, but things happened along the way. We went. Then we came back. And he was still here. But the story is great because along the way, he came to his senses and began to build stuff here. And he now, you know, when we meet, we joke about stuff. But he has had very many occasions to go to America, where, and all those things. But he was so held by the desire of evacuation that he kind of lost out some years of education, some years of progress, because his mind was not here. God is saying, set your mind here. In Uganda, guys, those of you who want to leave, eh? No, we are going to be here. 
it's going to work out. We are going to make this country a better place. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, settle. Build houses. Okay? Don't withdraw. Be part of the community. Just like the Israelites, God is telling us to be residents and not tourists. You know, when you go to a city to tour, one of the things that actually shows you that you're a tourist, okay, shows me, is the way you spend money the way you never spend it when you're here. You understand, eh? A bit of my story. So I live and go to this country. And when I get there, because the Forex bureaus only give you notes, eh? They don't give you the coins. They give you the notes because so you buy, you have your maybe 300 pounds, you pocket it. Now, the guys who are in those countries, they normally have, they don't have very big nominations like 50,000. Eh? They are like up to 20 or 10 or something. So it was so hard for me when they told me, it's one pound 50, it was such a pain. So I'd pull out a 10, give it to the guy and he gives me change. Because it was hard for me to do them. Then I found myself stuck with a lot of coins and I got acquainted to the money. And that is when I knew how hard it was to make that money. So sometimes when you are a tourist in places, that's what happens. Because you, your mind is, I'm here but for a while. But when he's telling you, be a resident. Start looking out for the coins and counting them and making Start planning long term. Be resident. We are not called to withdraw, to evacuate, to leave Uganda. We are not called to do that. We are called to settle, to build permanent houses. Amen? Let's read together Matthew 5, 1, uh, 14 to 16. It says, You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, that it may give light to all in the house. You are the light of the world. You. Something really hit me last evening during the preparation of this, that actually the pulpit is powerless. This pulpit is powerless. Until the people in the pews begin to exhibit its power. So you can come here all week long, all day long, listen to all these messages by well-dressed and some men. And they will not impact you. It will be like we are in a pride theater. It will be a show. It will be a show. We'll come here, say a few things, make you feel good. You know? And then you go and there's totally no impact. But you are the light of the world. You guys are the light of the world. You are the city that has been built on a hill that cannot be hidden. You're the ones who need to bring that light out that Uganda may begin to see and aspire for the things that you are doing. You. 
not the man who comes here to preach. I'm glad we are not called preachers. We are called facilitators because we also learn along the way. So, I don't preach, I facilitate. Anyone can do it until all of you can actually come here and facilitate all of us to learn. This pulpit is palace. We can open as many branches and go to as many nations and places, but it is just going to be a show if the people in the pews are not manifesting that power. You guys need to manifest that power. Amen? You need to manifest the power of the pulpit from which you're facilitating. Because you're doing, you're not doing things as you ought to do. That's why you hear people going from one church to another. I left that church and there is no power. The other church, there is power. It's the other one which has power. But I can guarantee you, until, you know, Miles said something interesting. He said, the church you went to was perfect until you showed up. This church was great until I walked through its doors. So, if you go looking for power, don't go spoiling other people's churches. Don't go to spoil other people's churches. What? Manifest the power. Hallelujah. John 17, 15 to 18 says, let's read together. I did not, that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. We are in the world and not of it. We are indeed ambassadors. We are here on earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. But while we are here, we need to do the things that we need to do. We need to settle. Amen? The other instruction that Jeremiah is telling the children of Israel is to respectfully resist while they are there. Respectfully is the key word. Respectfully resist. Having seen the stuff that happened in our parliament, which was resistance, can you imagine the opposition resisting the national resistance movement? <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, that one just came. It was not part of the sermon. It just... Eh? It was double jeopardy. <laughs> it got to certain spaces where I felt like it was not respectful. You can choose to apportion it either way, but it was not respectful. We need to respectfully resist. And remember that tolerance begins where agreement ends. Not everyone will agree with you, but let tolerance kick in when agreement ends. Be respectful. So Jeremiah has this word for them, and let's read together what he says. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. The instruction is, the Bible says that one day in the courts of the Lord is like 1,000, but now he's saying 70 years. I, I haven't worked it out mathematically what he meant for us, but he's talking about a pretty long time, right? Even if it was for Uganda, if it was 70 years, we've only done 55 of independence, so we still have 15 to go, right? Then multiply those by a thousand because one day in the house of God. Okay? So he's saying, be respectful while you're there. Don't believe the prophecies of people who are telling you about evacuation. Don't believe them. You're going to be there a while. Amen? You know this thing, this scripture brings to life um, what the books, the Bible says in, in Galatians. Eh? It talks about the fullness of time. For those of you who have been around church moments, church circles, you know the difference between Kairos and Kronos. There is time when the clock is ticking and there is time when it is, things are aligned and you know it is the right time. Like there is the right time to get married. Okay? You hear ladies saying the clock is ticking, but it's not yet the right time. But they're talking about the clock ticking. So they are fascinated by Kronos, but they haven't yet received the Kairos, which is the right things are going the right way for you, for you to be in a position to find the right person to marry you. And I can tell you, this has not been revealed to me by flesh and blood, but by the Spirit. Some people are not married, not because of any other reason, but because they do not love themselves enough or understand how much God loves them that he is sparing someone else the burden of being with them. I can tell you, if you're not married and you should be, this is stuff you should be thinking about. The time is not yet full. So the Bible talks about the fullness of time when God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, who came to redeem us. And the fullness of time he was talking about was when things were done differently. Now in this time, as we have learned from the scriptures, these guys carried away leaders and took them to kind of assimilate them to their tradition. But during the Roman rule, when Christ comes, it was the reverse. They often conquered a city and put a governor on top of that city. They left you where you were. And when the Bible talks about the fullness of time happening, is God was waiting for such a time when it was aligned that the kingdom of heaven can only be reflected on earth using the things that we assimilate to. Otherwise, if it was in this period, for God to influence earth, he would have to first take us to heaven for some time for us to see what it looks like and then bring us down 
so that we can build heaven on earth. But he chose the other way around because that is what the fullness of time means. That is why he sent his son that the government should be established upon his shoulders. Understanding times. So he's telling them about issues to do with time and place and a visitation. Amen? So as you respectfully resist, and the resistance, by the way, is not, as we know it, trying to headlock people until they submit. No. What we're talking about is by sticking to your values. Resisting. When they tell you to tell a lie, don't tell the lie because it is a lie of convenience. Don't tell half-truths. Don't, don't put things in a lot of legal jargon and you walk... I, I tell you what, you, when you listen to radio these days, you don't know whether to get angry or to laugh. Because we know. So you tell us all this thing, you, you bring in the void of initial, what? My brother from the legal fraternity, I saw you somewhere here, yes? Infragranto yeah? delicto, what? You bring in all those things, subjudice. And you confuse everyone and then you walk away feeling like you have done a good job. Because no, you know, then you're seen as a great debater. Because you have vulgarized the debate that could have left even you better. <laughs> you know, this thing of sharing ideas is so fantastic. I was watching the video that has been going around. You know ego, eh? Ego. Not Mr. Flies, but ego. This guy said something interesting. He said, ego is the anesthesia that deadens or kills or numbs your stupidity. You become numb to your own stupidity because of ego. So he's telling them to respectfully, not to let their ego get in the place, right? To resist while they are there. Let's continue. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. The thoughts that he's thinking towards the children in captivity. Now, when you go to study or read about prophets, prophets are interesting people, they are weird people. It's okay when you see a prophet in the land doing things that you don't understand. It's allowed. And I think we should actually reduce our condemnation, if that word is there, because there's no condemnation for those in Christ. But finger pointing and what should really, really go to the minimum. And I think for speaking for myself, I think I was enlightened to understand that prophets are weird people and it's okay for them to be weird. These are guys who are seeing things that do not make logic. How are you telling a guy who is in captivity? As in, imagine a guy is drowning, okay? Imagine a guy is drowning. He's calling out for help, right? And all you're telling the guy is the thoughts. The <laughs> 
It's not the actions that I'm doing. You know, you can actually be a bit busy. So the guy can see that, you know, there's some action happening. You're looking for at least take a stick through the guy or what? Or you're screaming out. You're screaming. No, you're telling the guy, no, 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 no. The thoughts. The thoughts that I have towards you. Thoughts. Let the prophets do their work. Let them do their work. Those who get the revelation of it will grab it. Please, let's not try to bring them to our level. But let them do their work. Because looking, studying the scripture, it, it, I was, even me, I was challenged. Even me, I learned. I learned, let the prophets do their work. The thoughts that I think towards you, you're telling someone in captivity. What is going on in your home that has held you captive? What has what is going on in your workplace? What is going on around you that has held you captive and you feel like there isn't help coming towards you? That the people who are supposed to be shuttling up and down, trying to make things happen, are not making happen. What is that? You're supposed to respectfully resist. Remember, you have settled in but you're not supposed to take in the way they do things. You're not supposed to assimilate to their way of life. You're supposed to remain holding true the values of heaven where you're being sent from. What is happening in your life that you need to resist not by fighting the person, but by sticking to the values that you embrace from heaven? Amen? Just like the Israelites were to live and to settle and prosper in the city, but our values and way of life are to be determined by our true home, which is in heaven. You know, we're talking about how ambassadors live. This message is about us being Christ's ambassadors on earth. You are an ambassador to Uganda from heaven. You are. Now are you supposed to live as an ambassador? Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It says, Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ. As through God we are pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As ambassadors of heaven, resident here in Uganda and in Kampala, we need to pattern our lives after the life in heaven, the life that Christ has so shown us that we can live, holding true basic values. And actually, he reduced down the values to two. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then the other one was what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. They are just two. If you summarize them, it is one. Love. 
That's it. Because the kingdom that you represent is about love. You love the people, you love the land, you want to see it prosper, you want to see it well. This is, these are some important things that we need to know about ambassadors. Ambassadors are appointed. They don't work for the job of ambassador. They are appointed to the position of ambassador. And when the ambassador sends you to a country, it's you are the president of the country that sent you in the country where you are. And people will always refer to you as His Excellency. You are not voted. No. You are appointed. Okay? You are under the care of the country that sent you even when you live in another country. If there is plenty in the land where you come from and you are appointed to a place where there is scarcity, I tell you what, it is at the ambassador's home where food will be. So if you have been sent of heaven onto earth, does it reflect? Or are they the two in contradiction? Yeah? The ambassador never changes citizenship. They remain with their citizenship. Although they live among the people, sometimes some become bilingual. Those who can't carry and move along with uh, an interpreter, but they need and they respect the culture and the traditions of the country where they are, but they are there to represent values coming from another country where they've been sent from. And as I was sharing earlier, that an ambassador does not have an opinion. The ambassador is not allowed to have an opinion. So if you are asked as an ambassador of heaven here on earth and asked to give your opinion on same-sex marriage, what would your opinion be? What's the opinion of Christ's ambassador here on earth? It's not wishy-washy, it's not maybe, could be, should be, progressive, no. What does it say in the constitution of your country? If it says it's an abomination in the constitution of your country, that right there is your opinion. And it's not subject to debate. It's not subject to rationalizing. But remember, the other value is love. So you're not, you're not there to condemn, you're not there to judge, you're not there to do anything, but these are the values that you stand for and this is what you hold true. That your opinion is that one that is in the constitution of your country. So what it says is what you say. It's not what you feel or what is convenient or what is politically correct. You have no opinion as an ambassador. So please, friends, as ambassadors of Christ, acquaint yourselves with the Constitution that you may not be found, found wanting and giving your opinion where it is not necessary. 
Amen? It has been revealed to you by the Spirit, my brother. <laughs> Let's continue. We represent the interests and the values of a different kingdom, and our true citizenship is in heaven, but we are to manifest and represent the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. We are to manifest heaven here on earth. Let's read together Philippians 3.20. For our citizenships in heaven, for which we also eagerly await, for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is like to belabor the point that our citizenship is indeed in, in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's in another country. All we need to do is reflect what it looks like. I told guys a, an interesting story of what happened sometime back. On Nasa Road, right on Nasa Road, there was an altercation. A vehicle belonging to a top general, a five-star. Do we have five-star generals? We have four-star generals. We don't have five-star a vehicle belonging to a four-star general on Nasa Road happened to block the vehicle of the embassy of America. And the soldier in the vehicle, his boss was not in the car, the soldier in the vehicle uh, had been injected by a few cc's of ego which had made numb some of his faculties. So, this ambassador's vehicle pulls over and they ask for him to make way, which he does not adhere to. And a man steps out of the American embassy vehicle, walks up to the four-star general vehicle with the flag fully hoisted and the star displaying and the armed men inside the car, and barrels four holes with a piece of equipment that looked like a, a torch, eh? <laughs> deflated the tires. And that's what happened. And that's what happened. And the guy now realizes that he is actually putting two countries in, in, at, at war. But the war was won. So that showed you that how dare he block Obama? There is something that is right blocking you, but as an ambassador from heaven, you need to walk up to that thing and puncture its tires. Amen? Let's finish. Sacrificially love while you're there. Let's read together Jeremiah 29, 7 says, And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away, captive, and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace you will have peace. We need to constantly pray for the peace of the land where we are. We are going to thrive here in Uganda, friends. We are going to thrive in this nation there's going to be peace. It's okay for you to start that business. It's okay for you to start 
writing that 30-year plan, proposal, whatever it is, and pray for the peace of this land. Because if this land prospers, you prosper. The Bible says that where your heart is, there also your treasure is. Most people think that it's your heart being at the treasure, but sometimes you create treasure by placing your heart wherever you are. I have seen people cleaning and doing a job that looks so not desirable, but because they place their heart in it, it begins to look attractive. You see a man doing his job so diligently that you think you should do that job. It now looks attractive because where your heart is, also there your treasure is. If we place our heart in Uganda, I can tell you we shall reap of the fruit that comes out of the land of this that God has placed us in. We are here for a reason. We're invited to pray and to actively seek the peace of the Lord and the prosperity thereof in this land where we dwell. Amen? Let's read these final scriptures together. It says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will be whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Speak life into this nation. Believe that there will be no war. Believe that there will be peaceful handover and transition of power in this nation. Believe, friends, that we will see a country that is not mediocre. Not a place where we have electricity poles standing in the middle of roads and properly tarmacked because someone is too lazy to carry out excellence. We believe that we will see a country where we are laying a foundation for generations to come and not to conveniently do things for the here and now. Let's speak those things to this nation. We are called to be resident ambassadors of heaven here in Uganda by living and settling and prospering in Uganda, respectfully resisting the things that are against our values, but also praying for the shalom of this land. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0312-281-555.